the cannabis industry is evolving at a radical pace, progressing toward the green peak. Each week, join Richard Zwicky, a cannabis visionary and entrepreneur, as he interviews experts from around the globe to discuss updates and evolutions in the world of cannabis. Let's make that climb together up the, the green, green peak. peak with your host, Richard Zwicky. Hi, welcome to The Green Peak. I'm Richard Zwicky, and joining us today, we've got Becky Postar, who is the COO of HD Compliance, a firm that is focused on high-risk deposit compliance solutions, and Lonnie Talbert, who's the COO and president of Southwest Capital Bank. Welcome aboard. Hello. So, you know, we've had a lot of conversations on The Green Peak over the last uh, couple of years that do relate back to uh both compliance and compliance falls into a couple of different buckets. Of course, there's the product compliance side, there's legal compliance, and then of course, banking compliance issues. And people are always stumbling over how do they move their money around and where do they run afoul? And it's a different issue within the States and, you know, within a state going state to state and then going internationally. And I've, you know, I've dealt with it for international um, and had to deal with all sorts of, interesting solutions to uh, that. But the within the state and the state to state issues continue to develop and change over time. Um, Becky, how, how are you seeing that uh, over the last couple of years? And where do you see it going? Well, okay, so that's, that's a really good question. There's so many different answers that are pot like there's, there's so many different ways that we could go with that one thing like most recently, I've seen with, you know, like interstate money, transfer, you know, there was um, a uh, armored car service out of Colorado that was driving cross state borders to get dispensary money out of Missouri to drive it back to Colorado, got stopped in Kansas by the DEA both ways, and they confiscated that money um, <laughs> from the vehicle because it was um, it could be proven that that money was used to purchase a federally illegal substance. And so um, that armored car service is in the middle of a lawsuit with um, the attorney general there in Kansas uh, trying to get their cash back. It was, you know, as far as dispensaries go, it was only like one hundred and sixty, hundred seventy thousand dollars. But still, that's that's money that the was used for a state legal purchase, but um, federally illegal. So that's one thing that um, I'm very most recently found. Um, very interesting. And when it comes to banking compliance, and Lonnie can definitely speak to this as, as someone who, you know, heads up a bank, um, what banks are obligated to do to help um, required by the federal government to help prevent money laundering is, is very burdensome. It's been, um, the compliance has been layered on and on since September 11th for, um, there are lots of laws passed the U.S. Patriot Act um, to help prevent money laundering for terrorism and also for sex trafficking. So what makes uh, cannabis extremely tricky for the financial institutions is not only is it a Schedule One federally illegal drug, but um, it's one of the only industries where you have legal and compliant businesses operating right next to the illicit. So to be able to prove to um, as best as you can to your regulators that you are monitoring that money and um, preventing as best as you can um, money laundering of illicit funds through the financial institution is is, is very tricky. Um, but as Lonnie can attest to, it can be done. Yeah, and Lonnie, I mean, money laundering is obviously a big question for people. And 
you know, the U.S. banking system obviously is not like the Swiss one where the, the requirements are, it's not, doesn't deal with uh, child porn or terrorism. And other than that, you can do anything. How are you dealing with the issues? Because obviously each state views it differently. The feds have their own. Everybody talks about safe banking coming, but, you know, it's been coming forever and <laughs> it's still a ways off. Sure. Um, it's a mess. Yeah. Yeah. How, well, I mean, in the banking industry, <laughs> yeah, the, the banking industry has been regulated heavily forever. To Becky's point, obviously, since 9-11, uh, it, it's gotten a lot more cumbersome and, and not only related to, you know, money laundering and uh, BSA, but, you know, KYC, CIP, the pillars related to beneficial ownership, uh, you know, the amount of requirements related, you know, CTRs have not been updated since the 70s in terms of the amount of money. And I think they say, you know, as indexed by inflation, the amount of money that that you could now literally, if, if you were to base it on inflation, you could you could do currency transaction reports at $50,000 instead of $10,000, right? Right. And so the, the amount of the, the way laws are written are written at the time when they see something and they never come back and adjust it, right? They just keep making them more cumbersome. Uh, most recently, you know, the IRS tried to do an overreach where they wanted to basically say anybody who did $600 of transactions, okay, which would basically mean every person in America who had a bank exactly. account. Exactly, yeah. That information would have to be I shared with the IRS. fees every year, don't we? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> And, and you would, and all that information would have to be shared by the banks to the IRS. Why? Right. So they could do a government overreach in order to try to see if anyone's cheating the system. Well, anyway, whether it's cannabis, money service businesses, adult entertainment, climate control, guns, you know, they just keep finding all these ways to make financial institutions more cumbersome. Mm -hmm. And we keep adapting. Don't we keep adapting. Too. Say that again. Oh, sorry. I said, don't forget crypto, Lonnie. Yeah, crypto now, right? I oh, mean, yeah. and, and it's just because they don't understand it. So when, when you have to operate in a, in a state legal environment, which the state doesn't get involved heavily in the financial components as much as they do on the safety and soundness as related to the actual marketplace of cannabis, they leave that to the feds. And so all the fed agencies, none of them have come out with any kind of guidance related to how to audit and exam a high risk business, right? Mm -hmm. they, they, they generically say things. And so they, they roll cannabis in that. And so to your point about the SAFE Act, the only, the only thing I see coming out of that when, when actually ever passed, if they don't water it down so much, is to at least put banks and financial institutions on a level playing field if they're choosing to bank cannabis. So that way they are, they are looked at as it's a high risk activity, make sure you're following all the guidance that is out there but not being penalized because you're doing it. And that's where I think at times, you know, banks feel bad, the ones of us who are doing it, uh -huh. because they come in and they say, we don't like cannabis, so therefore we're going to hold you to a different standard. That's not right. That's not true. It's a high-risk activity. Hold me to that standard, not just because I'm banking a plan. Well, that, that's exactly it. And I mean, you made the point early on, um, you know, the laws are living. They evolve. They develop just like the rest of us. But from a legal perspective, our laws, some of them are interpreted as they involve, and some of them are considered to be fundamental, immutable, and unchanging. And that conflict is the same as we're facing in this industry, 
with regards to how do we handle the not just the the plant but the banking and all of payroll you name it and these are all issues you have to deal with and almost break ground on on, on a continuous basis yeah um you know i know you know depending on state by state i've had different people i've uh, worked with and consulted to over the periods who you know they've had safes full of cash because they haven't known what to do um I'm others you know have a uh, a credit union type operation who will bank for them right the compliance perspective a banking perspective though as businesses grow you know how are they going to look at getting out of the state because they've got vendors who are out of state who are supplying them goods where the cash come from you know these issues are are problematic do you are you you know i'll first ask you and then becky you know do you plan for that how it's going to develop because you're in new mexico and nevada but your customers aren't yeah so so all of our customers in terms of you know the ones we bank we we chose to just bank uh, new mexico we used to do a little bit in colorado um las vegas by the way is las vegas new mexico not not oh i'm nevada. sorry no that's okay I mean, it's confusing all the time. I, I told people I, I was going to, to Las Vegas for Thanksgiving and they're like, Northern New Mexico. I'm like, no, 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 I'm going to, I'm going to Nevada. I'm going to the, the different state. But so, you know, we know that our customers here have some out of state work and we just, we, we, we validate it, we verify it and we make sure we know who our customers are, right? Because if you're going to be uh, in the financial services business, People are going to do commerce across state lines. That's why we allowed interstate banking, right? We passed that many, many years ago. And so that's not a problem. And so we just, we approach it the same way. As long as they explain to us, if we have a question around some of their activities and they can, they can explain it, then we just write it up and explain it away, right? I mean, that's really the way to look at it. But from our perspective, as, as we continue to look to expand and grow, you know, we want to understand sort of what those state laws are. The federal laws are the same regardless of what state you operate in. It's more understanding how, to Becky's point made earlier, you know, what that state actually is, is looking at. I mean, you know, if you, if you go to Oklahoma and bank, you know, it's the wild, wild west. You know, there's like 1,500, 2,000 licensees and, and anybody and everybody's in the business and there's no rules or regs and basically could do whatever you want, right? Federally, though, you still have to make sure you're following the same guidance. So I think it's it's just, again, a, a situation. What, what, you, what we hit on, though, Richard, that I think really is the challenge is right now, if you're an employee of a cannabis company, you can't qualify for a car loan. Mm -hmm. You can't qualify for a home loan. If you go to open a bank account, you tell them where you work. They may or may not. If they're a national bank, they probably won't even open it. Payroll companies are, are few and far between who are willing to do it. So that's really where, you know, we've got to get better. We've got to allow this incredibly economic prosperous industry and these employees to have access to be able to, to build assets like all the rest of us do in our jobs every day. And that's really where fiduciarily, you know, if you're a bank or you're even anyone, you want that cash to be counted. You want that cash in the system to track it. The whole purpose of AML and BSA is to track the cash. Well, guess what? If you don't put legislation in place to allow it, what are you doing? You're making it go underground right away. It's a yep. dirty little secret. Well, exactly. And people, you know, they're, they don't understand what's required in general. When you start, what's required from an anti-money laundering uh, perspective in terms of policies and procedures? And actually, we have to take a break. But when we come back, Becky, I'd like to turn to you about some of the policies and procedures companies need to think about 
um, as they're planning out their banking strategy, because it is unique in, uh, in many businesses that banking is a strategy that we have to develop. We'll be back in a minute after this break. I'm Richard Zwicky on The Green Peak. The Green Peak will climb back into your podcast player after we play some messages from our sponsors. And we're back on The Green Peak with Becky Postar and Alani Talbert. Um, Becky, just before the break, we were talking about, you know, getting into some of the compliance issues, but, you know, companies aren't prepared. No, nobody can really be prepared until they start entering this industry in terms of what they're going to need to deal with with regards to banking for cannabis. And, you know, it deals with not just your risk assessments and um, some of your pre-banking documentation, which is different than it would be in other cases, but the requirements from a compliance perspective also include, you know, your policies and procedures be clearly laid out because your bank will want to see, do you understand how to handle your cash and do all of your staff understand it? The training systems that are going to be in place the executive and board level reporting, which is, you know, to a different standard than it would be elsewhere. How do you work with customers and what sort of things surprise people when they start looking at this? Yeah, so there's there's a few ways um, to answer that question because there's really kind of two different perspectives that I'm thinking about. There's my clients, which are the financial institutions like Lonnie, and then um, there's the financial institutions clients, which is the cannabis related businesses. And there is training that goes into that as Lonnie can attest to your, um, your compliance team, the, um, the person opening the account for your cannabis related business, there is some training that needs to be vocalized from the jump, from the, from the very beginning, you know, you are in the highest, what the federal government considers the highest risk industry right now. So we are being scrutinized as a bank. Um, We have to add additional, um, additional staffing to be able to monitor this program correctly, to be able to prove to our regulators that we're doing everything we can to prevent money laundering. Mm-hmm. So um, with that, you know, but, you, but is the big fear just money laundering or it's, it's a lot more than that, isn't it? It's yes, it is because the bank is not only monitoring for that, which is very extensive. They, um, a financial institution, because cannabis is still a schedule one drug, a financial institution is obligated to file secrets, uh, SARS, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, marijuana related ones on every one of their businesses every 90 days. Right. <laughs> and you know, that, that in itself. It's is And that's, that's why I do talk about the money laundering. However, it is on Lonnie and his team to make sure that their clients are compliant with local law as Uh well. You know, how are they disposing of their inventory? That's huge. You know, you want to know, um, so they have to do what, um, they call site visit audits. So Uh whenever they have a new account, if they have an established business, they do an, a site visit audit, um, before they open the account, just to make sure that everything is in compliance with the law. And then they want to do that every year, at least. You got to do a physical site visit audit, which is, you know, New Mexico isn't a tiny state. That isn't easy. (laughs) All over. And then as we, as you know, as um, legalization opens up, New Mexico is probably going to be very comfortable with banking outside of the state. So now you're doing statewide, you know, nationwide site visit audits. You know, you got a client in New York or a client in actual Las Vegas, Nevada. And so you want to, you want to go and visit them. So it's, it's, um, 
it's a tedious program, but as Lonnie can attest, because Lonnie's a pioneer in the industry, he's been doing this since 2014. And um, so he can tell you from where they started to where they are today, there's been a lot of change. There's been, um, there's been a lot of audits and um, very successful ones. And so they, um, they've learned a lot just by rolling up their sleeves and doing it. And the number one thing that Lonnie can tell you that helps for a successful program is he mentioned, know your customer. They know their customers by name and they know, you know, they know their family members and their employees. And so knowing your client and being able to pick up the phone and ask a question um, when you have to file um, if there's some kind of red flag. And so you have to file a certain kind of uh, marijuana related a suspicious activity report, you can mitigate that. You can just call your client and say, hey, why is this? And they'll say, oh, we bought new inventory last last month. And so you can go, right. okay, so you know that. But you still have to do all the documentation and be able to, to prove that. So, and, and then on your client, you know, they have a whole different level of compliance that they are obligated to, to do. And, you know, another thing, as Lonnie mentioned, getting the cash inside the financial institution is beneficial for everyone. The community makes it safer. Um, We do what financial institutions allow us to do what financial institutions do best, which is prevent money laundering uh, the best of their ability. And also with that cash inside the financial institution, financial institutions are also obligated to work with the IRS. So if there is any out paid taxes, the IRS can go directly to the bank and get that from the client. And that would also benefit the federal government when that comes around, the state, local government. It's it's much easier to get any missing tax dollars, whether it be on purpose or on, by mistake. Most of the time it's by mistake because, you know, tax law is is law and it's it's not um, as black and white as you would like it to be. Right. No, absolutely. And we, we know this is an industry which is more heavily scrutinized than others. Totally. Right. So. You know, that scrutiny, and you know, that's a that's an important point because Becky, you you build systems for bankers, right? By bankers for bankers. Mm-hmm. And you provide those solutions to the financial institutions that are looking to work. So it's you're continually looking to evolve the policies, the procedures, the documentation, and you know, guidance as to what the changing risks are. Um, but Lonnie, for you, for you as the bank, you you don't just have to deal with that side which is then the customer facing, you're also dealing with the bank and all of the apparatus behind. And the bank has relationships with, if it's issuing credit cards, if it's dealing with you know, the international uh, community mm-hmm. as well, and the compliance from that perspective, what area gives you the most headaches? And what can operators do that'll make it easier, which is gonna make their lives easier too. Yeah, I, I think the, the biggest thing is, is really data collection, right? I mean, in terms of the, the our customers, our you know, dispensary owners, our producers, our growers, you know, like any business, uh, I think they forget sometimes that, you know, we need to be able to tell their story. When a regulator walks through our door, their best defense is us being well prepared. Their right. best defense is us knowing what's going on in their business. And so many of them get sidetracked, get, get, you know, uh, distracted, whatever. And they think, oh, I don't need to turn that in. Well, whatever they're turning in for their taxes, whatever they're turning into their accountant, whatever they're turning into the state, they need to just make an extra copy and give it to us, right? That way we can make sure 
that we're checking all the boxes because our, our, our intent is when someone walks in is for there not to be a target on their back or our back, but to be able to answer the questions honestly and transparently. And, and that's all we say is, look, we're a hundred percent transparent. We're not, we're not here to call the IRS on you. That's their job. But what we are here to do is make sure that if we get questioned about a transaction or we, or you have huge growth month over month, we can explain that. And if we see a large infusion of cash, we can say, oh, that's from their investors or, hey, they, they moved it from their other account to pay their license fees, right? I mean, these are all simple questions. And a lot of times they think it's intrusive, but it's really, it's protection. And, and I them, think that's, that's an important point because a lot of people think it's intrusive. And especially in states and operators who have just recently moved from black or gray to the legal marketplace, right. they're used to concealing information. Yeah. Right? So you're, you're having to change behavior. Yeah. And they're, and they're used to, you know, again, if you're asking that question, there must be a reason behind it that you're trying to possibly harm them. And that's not the case. You know, I mean, we do that with any of our customers, Richard. I mean, whether you're yep. cannabis or not, if, if you have an, a, a, an abnormal pattern in the way that you're conducting business, right? Mm-hmm. Or you're asking me to send a wire, you know, out of the country, I'm going to ask you and say, you got to, you got to explain to me, right? I mean, I've had customers where, you know, we, we've asked them to tell me, hey, why are you giving me $5,000 cash? I don't want to tell you. Okay, I don't care what you're, you know, are you buying clothes? Tell me you're buying clothes, but you can't tell me you don't want to tell me. That, that's, that's not acceptable, right? And so it, it's one of those, but we've become so, um, I guess, immune to the fact that, you know, Again, we have such overreach that we have to explain ourselves sometimes. And so that's where I think the biggest is, you know, we're here to help you. We're here to support you. The cost of compliance isn't free, mm-hmm. but the cost of a relationship, if you don't have a good one, can cost you in the long run. Yeah. The cost of non-compliance is bankruptcy. Totally. I look at it. Right. For any business, right? Exactly. And, and, a lot, and, the, and the one challenge is many of these business owners, where they get to a place where they have to make a decision, right? Do I want to stay in the day-to-day or do I want to go hire the right people to help me? And that's, again, where it's hard for them because they're like, I'm the founder, I'm the owner, I can do it all. No, you probably can't, especially if you grow from zero to $10 million. Uh That's a lot of money traveling through your business. That's a lot of product. You want to have the right people helping you. That's why we got Becky. We grew so big. Well, we needed Becky, right? We needed that third party independent person to come in and say, hey, here's what you're doing. Okay. But here's where we got to tighten it up. You got to be willing to make that that investment. Absolutely. I know the point you made is one, it's true in every area of business. And, you know, I call it founderitis where the founder thinks they can do everything and needs to do everything. No, you need to have the best people around you to get it done and use the best tools. Right. Um, And, you know, that's what you both are practicing and delivering to the market. We do have to take another break, but we'll be back in a minute with Becky Postar from HD Compliance and Lonnie Talbert from Southwest Capital Bank. I'm Richard Zubicki with The Green Peak. The Green Peak will climb back into your podcast player after we play some messages from our sponsors. And we're back on The Green Peak with Becky Postar and Lonnie Talbert. Becky, uh, Lonnie, you know, one of the things that uh, people people go through, you know, and they say, well, what's the worst that could happen? And what is the worst that could happen, you know? And is it, 
you know, a lot of times people don't understand and the impl full implications of a willful mistake as opposed to an honest mistake. And, and it doesn't always affect just them. It affects the people around them. In a company, it's the other directors, it's the other officers. And, you know, those effects can be far-reaching. And it's a it's something you learn over time. And if it isn't drilled into you early, it can really make people suffer. So, you know, what's something you've seen that, you know, that you try to help people avoid? Yeah, so there's there's two different answers to that one. So I've seen a financial institution um, not have the best practices in place mm -hmm. and um, their regulators gave them a cease and desist from overall higher risk customers, not just the cannabis industry, but other industries that they were banking as well. They had to step away from all of it. Um, and so that's, that's one thing that, um, doing the due diligence before you get into the industry, like Lonnie's team did will really help you wrap your arms around exactly what you're going to have to do before you even implement a program, or you hire someone like me that can really take a lot of that time and energy out of that and kind of show you, show you up front what's working well for the financial institutions that are doing it um, right. right. Cause there is no guidance for a regulator to tell you you're really doing it wrong or right. Um, but um, they regulators are going to school. They have um, in large numbers been on calls where uh, for final uh, reviews of exams from financial institutions that are banking the industry. So they are learning, they're going to school and they are now um, being able to comfortably um, tell a bank what they're doing well and what they're not and actually giving more findings and this uh -huh. So that's, that's happening a little bit more frequently than what we've seen in the past. And then on the other side of this, um, there's clients who like, who feel obligated to conceal the fact that they're in the cannabis industry. And this really comes from a place of no judgment because it is an industry where they're almost forced to not want to be honest with their financial institution because they get they get they keep getting they're used to getting out. kicked whether they're yeah. quality or not they're right and so unfortunately with that um there's been some cases where um someone did get caught for lying to their financial institution and that is illegal <laughs> federally yep. illegal to do that so that customer in the um this was an oklahoma case they had medical dispensaries they told their financial institution that they were in a wellness fitness industry um and they were running their um they were depositing their uh, dispensary mm -hmm. medical dispensary money through that account which is money laundering and so they are um potentially going to be fined up to a million dollars and they may have to actually serve some time as well so that's one thing that makes it and, and let, to be clear who, who's at risk both a personal level and you know is the, obviously the CFO or whoever is responsible for the finances, the CEO, mm -hmm. the directors, other officers, the bank. Yeah. Yeah. And more than likely that, you know, the state could, could revoke their licenses. I mean, they might not even be able to be in that field anymore. And the bank is potentially um, vulnerable as well with getting in trouble with their regulators having not known that that was running through their system. So that's one thing that financial institutions that are in a state or bordering a state where there is legal sales, you've got to be paying attention to what's coming through your bank. Like mm -hmm. Lonnie's team, they look at every single new business request to verify 
what industry it's actually in, even if it's not a cannabis business, because a lot of, even when you're in Lonnie's situation, you're openly banking the market. There's still some people that will want to try to conceal the fact they're in the cannabis industry because the fees are a little bit higher. Right. And so you've got to monitor your- So are the margins. So <laughs> suck it up. <laughs> yeah. Right, right. So that's, so there's two different risks, the bank's at risk and the client's at risk and the client's at risk financially. Um, they can lose their independence by going uh-huh. to prison and they can lose their ability to even operate in that industry again and probably have a really hard time operating in any industry after that. Yeah. Yeah. And I know from, you know, having dealt with it across multiple countries and having to set up the banking system and the compliance systems um, and guiding some others through it, it's, dentists are nice. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Lonnie, quickly before we do have to to end, like when you hear a story like that and you look at your own operation, obviously you never want to get in that position, but are there, you know, some, you know, tips that are not always obvious that you want to give to the entrepreneur coming in the door? Yeah. That, you know, it's not just the, the normal expectations. Here's a couple of other things you need to think about. Yeah. I, I think, you know, what Becky and I have been talking about is, you know, honesty and transparency, right? First of all, this is a no judgment zone. You know, you can walk on our front door. You can smell like weed. You can, you can say pot, Mary Jane, ganja, cannabis, you name it. We don't care. We're happy to have you come in. We want to help you. We're here to be your partner and, and consultative to you. Mm-hmm. Ask us questions if you have any of those that you maybe just don't know and, and take it seriously. I think a lot of people think that they can just get into this business and it's not gonna, it's not gonna cost a lot of money. The upfront capital investment and the amount that you need in order to do it right is quite substantial. So if you're gonna invest that kind of money, pay attention to the details, mm-hmm. understand exactly you know, where you're headed and why, and ask for help. You know, a lot of businesses, you know, they think they can go it alone, just like a lot of employees and a lot of, you know, are afraid to ask for help. They think that's a sign of weakness. No, not asking for help. And then once you're in trouble, that's where you have problems. So use your financial institution, be transparent, be honest, let us help you and uh, pay attention to the details. I really think, you know, typical, again, good business advice, sound advice, but even more important when you're dealing with a high-risk, high-cash-intensive uh, industry. Yeah, no, absolutely. So, you know, Becky and Lonnie, um, I'd like to thank you for joining us. But um, Becky, first, when, you know, a bank wants to get involved, put in place a proper compliance pa- uh, practice specifically for this industry or look at what else they need to address, how should they get in touch with you? Oh, okay. So um, my e- there's my website, hdcompliance.com. And you can contact me through that. Or uh, my email is b.poster, P-O-S-T-A-R at hdcompliance.com. And, you know, we, like I said, we we help banks um, even in the initial decision process. Like, do we want to bank it? Do we not want to bank it? This is what it could look like financially. This is what the risks look like. This is how you can mitigate the risks. Or like with a client like Lonnie, we can come in and say, hey, let, let me look at your program. Let's see what you're doing well. And let's see how we can really um, make it even stronger for Lonnie's 
because they were expanding, you know, they went from medical to adult use. So they knew that their program was about to really blow up. So they wanted to make sure that everything was, was in place um, for smooth future exams. Right. And Lonnie, uh, businesses that are building out in the space, how do they get in touch with you? And, you know, for, and from what areas are you willing, you know, you're dealing with certain states. So which states really should they look to you as being the, uh, bank of preference. Yeah, well, thanks a lot, Richard. And, and, you know, Becky is an amazing partner. We have just thoroughly enjoyed her helping us go to the next level. Uh, they can contact me at my email, ltalbert, L-T-A-L-B-E-R-T, at southwestcapital.com. That's C-A-P-I-T-A-L, uh, southwestcapital.com, all one word. Uh, 505-764-3878 is my office line. I answer my own phone uh, answer my own emails, um, but we're, we're still focused heavily on New Mexico right now, Richard. Uh, we hope that if we can be successful, which we believe we will be in the adult use realm with the help of uh, Becky and Andy, uh, with the help of Nature Track, you know, Jante and, and Dan, that we can look to expand to other states. Uh, most likely, if that were the case, we'd stay within the, the, the four corners, if you will. That would be Colorado, Utah, and Arizona, because, you know, we have that four corner yep. area. Um, but you know, we're, we're here. I'm always here to help anyone who is just thinking about it in general. Um, I've talked to people in Vegas and California, and I hope that we'll have the ability someday with, with adding our technology, uh, and with the ability to do sort of cashless vaults, if you will, and, and, and support of others to help other States like we have New Mexico. Okay. Well, excellent. And thank you both for joining us today on the green peak and thanks to everybody for listening. I'm Richard Zwicky. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks. And we'll be back with you again soon. The opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast, republication, or retransmission of this program without proper consent is prohibited.